Do we have any do we have any fishermen in the house or fisherwomen? Any of you guys like to fish? Let me see your hands. Okay, a few of you guys, a few of you guys. Let me tell you, if you and I ever go fishing, I'm going to look the part. I want you to know that, okay? Um, I'm not sure if you can totally make out that picture of me up there, but this is with my boys. We're fishing in Georgia, and um, I'll tell you, if we go fishing, I'm going to have on waders because that's how serious I am. I'm, I got to get closer to the fish. I'm going to have on a vest that has a ton of pockets, and it's full of all sorts of tools. Now, I don't know what the tools do, but I went to Bass Pro Shop and I bought a bunch of tools and stuff in my pocket. I'm going to have a hat on and the hat is going to have lures. And I don't know what lure goes with what fish. I have no clue. Doesn't matter. But I am going to look the part. I'll have a fancy rod and reel. It will look like I know what I'm doing. But despite the fact that I look the part, I am not much of a fisherman. Let me show you another picture. This happened later that day. 100% true. I was fishing on the side of the river and I was like, oh, there's a deep pocket. I can just tell there are fish over there. I need to get further into the river in my waders. And so I get further in and some point I slipped and fell. Now, if you've ever slipped and fell in the river with waders on, it's the worst thing ever because all the water rushes in and you can't get up. You cannot get out. Those suckers are watertight. So it's like you're carrying around 18 buckets of water. It just so happens at the moment that I slipped and fell in the river, my friend Jason was on the bank just shooting pictures of the river, and that joker caught me face first in the water and immediately posted it on Facebook. So this fishing fail has been preserved for posterity. Anytime you look at my pictures, you will find that picture there, all right? So I am not the best fisherman in the world. In fact, I'm the guy who I'll be standing right next to somebody who's catching fish like crazy, you know, just constantly pulling them out of the water. And I'll be standing right next to her, and it's like I'm using the same bait, I'm in the same place. It's like I should be catching all the fish that you are, and yet I just cannot seem to make it happen. The fish don't seem to be interested in what it is that I'm offering them. And I wonder if that's not maybe a little bit because I'm kind of conflicted when I go fishing, really. I, I, I don't love the fact that I'm fooling these fish. I feel a little bad, you know, because I throw this fly lure into the water and I'm like, hey, fish, come get the most delicious meal imaginable free on me. Doesn't this bug look so juicy? Oh my gosh, eat him, eat him, please. But I know something the fish doesn't know. And that is, inside of that delicious, juicy, fat little bug is a hook. And that hook is designed to hook the fish. That hook is designed to catch the fish and to drag it out of the water, hopefully so that I can have dinner or at least go home and say, yeah, it was a successful day out on the river. I know that there is a trap inside of what I'm offering that fish. So, I mean, you guys have seen flies before, right? You've seen these fishing lures, but we'll put one here on the screen just so you have a visual that a hook is there inside of that fly. And of course, you know, the, if I just threw the hook in without disguising it quite nicely, then the fish would never bite. Nobody goes fishing without bait. Nobody goes fishing without a lure. Just throw a bear hook in. I know some of you guys are going to come up and tell me a story later about how you caught a fish on a bear hook this one time. I don't believe you. You've got to disguise it. You've got to bait it. That's the only way that a fish is ever going to bite what you're doing. You have to disguise the hook. You have to hide the hook. You can't make it obvious. So the fish decides to take a bite on this very tempting little fly, and he gets snagged. He realizes his mistake. 
But by then it's too late, right? Because the fish is being drug in to the shore. And so the fish might get loose. That happens sometimes. Happens to me a lot of times. You know, I get one on and then it gets away. But even if the fish gets away, it's always going to be painful for the fish, isn't it? There's always going to be permanent damage. That fish is going to have a hole in its mouth. It's going to rip its I mean, that's just the way it works if the fish gets away. And then, of course, best case scenario for me, worst case scenario for the fish, the hook costs the fish its life. I think temptation for me and you is a lot like that fly fishing lure. I think you and I see things in front of us, and man, they look so delicious They look so pleasurable. They look so enticing that we just want to bite as quick as we can. And like the fish, we forget or we fail to realize that temptation always comes with a hook. Temptation always has a trap or a hook that's buried inside. Temptation promises to make us happy, and in the end, it leaves us miserable. It promises to fulfill my needs and then it leaves me vulnerable. So this is why we started this series called A Way Out. This is week three. It's okay if you're just diving in today. We're going to get you caught up to speed. No trouble at all. You and I, everybody on the planet, religious, not religious, old, young, white, black, doesn't matter. We are all tempted to do unhealthy and unhelpful things, aren't we? Every one of us. Let's not lie. Let's not pretend like, oh no, I'm never tempted. Liar. We're all tempted, okay? We are tempted to say yes when we should say no. We're tempted to do something that we know we shouldn't. We're tempted, tempted, tempted every single day. And what we forget is that buried in every one of those temptations is a hook that has the power to compromise our relationships, the power to ruin our future, the power even to impact negatively our relationship with God. But we've had this theme verse that we've talked about every single week, and I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I'm just going to quote it for you. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 12, and the scripture says, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. Instead, in every temptation you face, God will provide you a way out. That's where the title of this series came from. It's just lifted straight out of the Bible because I'm not very creative. So let me show you what a guy named James had to say on the subject of temptation. James is one of the writers in the Bible, and I want to show you what he had to say. If you're not familiar with James, he is the brother of Jesus. He is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, I think James is probably like the best piece of evidence we have that Jesus was who he said he was, right? What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was God in the flesh? Like your brother would have to be really special for you to say like, I worship my brother. I've devoted my life to my brother. And yet, despite the fact that James was initially skeptical of Jesus and his claims, by the end, James had become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. He believed his own brother was the Messiah. I'm telling you, it's strong evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. So James is writing a letter about two decades after Jesus was crucified. And he talks about temptation. And I want you to look at what he says. It's so good, you guys. This is going to be so helpful for some of you. In James chapter number one, verse 13, he says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. 
Because God is never tempted to do wrong, and God never tempts anyone else to do anything wrong. Temptation, James says, comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when we allow sin to grow in our life, James says, it gives birth to death. Now, there's a lot in these three verses, okay? There is a lot packed in here, but James wants us to get started off on the right foot. He wants us to be absolutely certain that we know from the jump that God does not tempt us, right? You see that? He says it very clearly and very plainly. In fact, we find throughout the Bible that God will test us, but God will never tempt us. Us. There's a difference between being tempted and being tested. So God will always test, He will never tempt. But then we have an enemy, we have lots of enemies, and they will tempt us but never test us. So what's the difference between the two? What's the difference between testing and tempting? Well, think about why it is that you would test somebody, maybe a student, maybe an engineer at work. You always test in order to promote, don't you? That's why you take end-of-course exams in school, so you can get promoted on to the next grade. That's why you take certification tests at your job so that you can get a promotion. You can make more money. You can work at a different level than you did before. God will test you, and his testing is always so that he can promote you. That is his goal. It is to move you forward. It is to help you become the person he designed you to be in Jesus. Now, the opposite side of that coin is that the enemy will try to tempt you. And the tempting from the enemy is never to promote you or push you further ahead. It's always to pull you backward. It's always to hold you down. The enemy's intent is to destroy. God's intent is to develop. So let me give you the principle. This is something that I think James wants you to know. It would be very, very helpful if you would take this to heart. You would remind yourself of this. God tests you in order to develop you. The devil tempts you in order to destroy you. There's a difference. And James says you have to know this. God is not the one who's tempting you to do the wrong things. And it's not really the the devil's active, but it's not only the devil's work in your life. Because you might hear that. You might think about the temptations of Jesus that we talked about last week. And you might say, okay, so what I need to do if I want to overcome temptation, stop saying yes when I know I should say no, is I've got to watch out for the devil, right? The devil's after me. I got to make sure that I don't ever give in. I'm, I'm too smart for the devil, right? We can get our minds so focused on the idea that the temptations we face are all around us that we miss out on something incredibly important that James said. Did you catch it? Let's put it back, back on the screen here for you. James chapter number one, verse 14 James says, temptation comes from the devil. No, it doesn't. He doesn't say temptation comes from God who wants to see how strong your faith is. Doesn't say that. Temptation comes from that guy at work who keeps sending you those flirty messages. No, he doesn't say that. Pay attention to what James says here. The root source of temptation is not God, it's not the devil, it's not the people around us. Temptation always comes down to our own desires. 
And if you want to deal with temptation, if you want to overcome the cycles of addiction and behavior that you've just been battling for years, you have to start acknowledging where it all begins. And it's inside of you, not outside. It's not like, oh, God is tempting me. No, it's not like, oh, the devil is after me. He might be, but there's more to it than that. It comes down to your own desires. So, in a moment, I'm going to tell you how badly I failed at this today. But for a moment, just before we get there, can we be honest together? Could we do that? Like, could you be honest with yourself at least? The reason that you drink too much, oh, dang, he went there like right off the bat. He went to drink it too much. Dang. Zero to 60. All right. The reason that you drink too much is not because God made rum delicious, which he did, by the way, but it's not his fault. And it's not because the devil is, only, you know, only at least because the devil's after you and he's like, here, have another one, have another, have another. That's, that's not it. And it's not because your frat buddies are pressuring you every day. It's not that at all. According to James, it's because there are desires inside of you that you have not learned to say no to yet. You can excuse it and justify it by saying, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them. And James will say, no, 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 it's something inside of you that you're going to have to deal with if you're ever going to get over it. The reason that you had an affair. The reason that you gave in in that moment. It's not because God was looking down at you saying, man, they got a raw deal. They chose the wrong spouse. I feel so bad for them. I just, I'm going to send them somebody so they can have a fresh start. I've heard people justify affairs that way before. That ain't how it works. It's not like God was tempting you here in this moment. And it's not only that, you know, the enemy, the, the, the devil, Satan is trying to like constantly destroy marriages and families and intimacy and commitment and all of those things. It's not only that. And it's not just the people that are around you, and you're like, oh, I couldn't help myself. She was just so wonderful, or he's the man I've always wanted. It's not about them. It's about you. You gave in to the desires in your heart. And for as long as you try to shift blame to the external temptations and you ignore the internal desire in your heart, you're always going to fall victim. You're always going to give in when you know you shouldn't. So maybe we could summarize this. I could give you another principle here on this point. The temptations around me are only successful because of the desires inside of me. The temptations around. The only reason that I give in to the devil's temptations or that girl's temptations or whatever it might be, the only reason I give in is because there is a desire in my heart that I have not learned how to manage well. You've heard it said, you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both, right? So for as long as you try to make excuses, oh, the devil made me do it, or oh, I couldn't say no to her, or oh, I can't get through a day without popping that pill. For as long as you try to shift the focus on things external to you, you are going to lose this battle. But if you want to make progress, if you want to get beyond these cycles that you are stuck in, it really does begin with acknowledging what's going on inside of your heart and your mind. So if you want to make progress, you've got to take responsibility. You've got to say, look, I'm not going to blame her or I'm not going to blame him. I'm not going to blame them. I am just going to say I am in the situation I am because of my own desires and choices. In that moment, you can start to make progress. 
Now, guys, I wish I could tell you that I've got this down pat, that I just do this naturally and perfectly. But let me tell you, just a couple of hours ago, I screwed this up royally. The reason is because this morning I was driving to church at about 645 in the morning right here to the mall. And I just got to the exit on Highway 2 to get you know, into the mall parking lot. And my wife called me. And as soon as the phone rang, I knew exactly what she was going to say. I knew what this conversation was going to be. So I answered the phone and I said, do not tell me that you got your car stuck again. Because she got her car stuck last Sunday morning and I had to go push her out of the snow. So, of course, I'm, guys, I'm just, I I lost it. I'm driving like a maniac back to the house. You know, I get there and I'm like, how did you get the car stuck? Didn't I just take you out into the driveway on Tuesday and give you this long lecture about how you drive in the snow and what you should do in order to get out of the driveway without getting stuck? I can't believe you didn't listen to me. Do you have any idea? You've just ruined my Sunday. I've got so much pressure on me already. And here you are making it worse thanks. Slam the door, trying to push her out, can't get the car out. I'm like, fine, get in the Jeep, ride with me, we'll go. That, that happened a couple hours ago. It was not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> me too, by the way. And you know what? I fell for the trap. I started blaming external circumstances when in reality I should have been checking my own heart. I was mad at this poor girl, but it wasn't her fault. It's not like she was driving recklessly. There's a lot of snow out there. And she drives a two-wheel drive Mini Cooper. Of course she's going to get stuck at some point. The problem was not that I was busy. The problem was not God and he keeps making it snow. Why are you doing this to us? The problem was not my wife who got her car stuck. The problem was Daniel who cannot deal with the desires in his heart. It feels good to vent your frustration. Just tell people how you feel sometimes. And if I want to make excuses, I could blame a whole bunch of different situations or I can make progress. And so I went to my wife and I said, babe, I need you to forgive me because I screwed up. I'm so sorry I was such a jackass to you (laughs) because that's what I was. When it comes down to it, there are these external temptations, but James says in reality, the big issue, the thing you have to deal with is your own heart. It's your own desires. And until we start to wrestle those to the ground, man, we are in trouble. We'll keep choosing the same destructive behaviors because the, the motive, the thing that drives our sin is inside of us, not outside of us. Okay, so then James goes on here, and he, we're just going to start to wrap this up here with the rest of his um, verses. So he goes on to say that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us, and then they drag us away. I've told you guys throughout this series that there are a bunch of different ways that you can look at temptation. You can kind of define it so that you can help overcome it. And um, I want to give you one more here, just based on this idea that we are enticed by our own desires. Another way that we could define or view temptation in our life is that temptation is the subtle voice that twists I want into I need. That's what temptation does. It twists, I want, which is true. I want, I want that. But then it twists into, I have to have that. I've earned that, you guys. I deserve it by this point. And you know this is true. You know that this is the, this is the moment where you start to give in. 
Because we are masterful justifiers of our own behavior, aren't we? We are so good at justifying doing the wrong thing. So you'll say things like, you know, I probably shouldn't do this, but this is just the way you get ahead in my industry, right? Like, if, Dan, if you knew everybody who was at the top of, of our company, this is how they got there. This is what you have to do. You could, you could say things like, you know, this is the world we live in. This is just how it is. It's 2019. It's not 1800 anymore, bro. People change. And this is the way the world is. This is what people do. We justify our behavior. You might say something like, you don't know how badly my sister has treated our family. And everything she's got going on right now, she deserves, and I'm glad it's happening. We justify our behavior. You might say, I've got a prescription. If the doctor says I need it, then I must. You can say, it's the second time you got stuck in the snow. I deserve to be angry at this point. We are so good at justifying giving in. Can I tell you something that you may know, but you've never really put into words, at least probably? You are the best salesman on the planet when you are also the customer. (laughs) Do you know that? You are the best salesman on the planet if the person you're trying to sell is you. Some of you don't have a sales bone in your body. You would fail miserably if you became a salesperson. But for you, you'll buy everything that guy's selling because you know all of your weaknesses. You know exactly what to say to convince yourself to give in in this moment. You will justify it. You will rationalize it. You will convince yourself that this is the best idea ever. I need this. I deserve this. I've earned it. Meanwhile, everybody around you is like, you don't need that. You just want it. Stop lying to yourself, right? We are so good at justifying and convincing ourselves to do the wrong thing. No wonder we give in all the time. Because we don't have any other voices in our life that we've given permission to tell us to knock it off. This is why connect groups are so incredibly important, you guys. This is why we're always trying to push you into community. Because you need a small group of people who can call you on your crap. You need a group of people who can say, dude, stop talking crazy. You cannot sleep with her. You can't do it. That you have, you're a married, you have a spouse. Stop. You need to have a group of people around who will say, lady, stop. You can't go spend that money. You told our group that your goal for this year is to get out of debt. So you can't take that vacation today. Maybe you could take it next year after you've paid off all the debt that you said you wanted to pay off. We need people in our life who are willing to confront us and tell us the things that we don't want to hear. Because if you don't have that voice, you will sell yourself on why it's okay. Why you can give in this one time, it's not really that big of a deal. You'll justify it, and pretty soon, you'll find yourself in trouble. Now, this is actually the role that James is playing for us in this passage. You realize that? James is playing like the older brother. He's playing the the pastor, the group's shepherd, you know. He is like helping us to confront what we really don't want to hear. So he goes on to say here in verses 14 and 15, put it back on the screen so you can follow along. He says, um, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. Now, pay really close attention to that. What does James say is sinful? Is it the desire? No. He doesn't call the desire sinful. Remember what we said a couple of weeks ago? Temptation is not in and of itself sin. It's just an invitation to sin. 
So it's not the desire, the want to. Of course you're going to be attracted to other people. Of course you're going to want to waste money. Of course you're going to want to vent your frustration and yell at your loved one. Of course you are. It's not that that is sinful in and of itself, but it becomes a problem when your desires give way to sinful actions. In every temptation, there's a hook. And when you take that step, when it becomes more than a thought and it finally becomes an action, the hook is set. And I think James is warning us, and some of us need to hear it. And if you ignore the hook, don't be surprised when you get hooked. If you ignore the hook, don't be surprised when you get hooked. This is little things. This is big things. It's not the desire that you need to deal with, but you've got to nip it in the bud before you act on the desire. Because if you give in a little bit today, then you give in a little more tomorrow, then you give in a little more of the day after that, pretty soon, James says, you'll end up at death. Now, I get it. Some of you are like, come on, that's dramatic. Like, it's not, it doesn't always lead to death. I've given in to temptation before and I didn't die. So let's not oversell this thing. And that's true to a certain extent. Like, I, I get it. I'm with you guys, okay? You could take some shortcuts at work and perhaps get away with them. You might even get promoted because of them. You could take some shortcuts in your health and your body won't give out, you know, because you drank too much last weekend or you ate things you shouldn't. You, you, can, you can kind of survive some of that, right? You could even compromise in deeper things like your marriage and, hey, as long as your spouse doesn't find out, then perhaps you guys could survive, right? But when James talks about death here, he's not just, he is including these things, but he's not just talking about physical death. He's not just talking about emotional death or relational death. He's not just talking about financial death, which can come about when you choose to give in to temptation to spend money that you shouldn't, all those different things. James is talking about spiritual death here. He really is. He's talking about the fact that every time we give in to temptation, our soul withers just a little bit. There is a spiritual component of all of us, and it is always impacted when we choose to say yes to temptation. The way that we could state it is that your soul always suffers when you sin. Always. Your soul always suffers when you sin. It will lead to death in some way, shape, or form. And sometimes that death can continue to grow and it can spread to other areas of your life as well. So it's incredibly important that we recognize what's at stake when that fly is right in front of us, so to speak, and we're like, man, but it looks so good. Wouldn't it be great? I would love it if I could just, no, we remember there's a hook. We remember that this has the potential to lead to death. This could go very, very badly. We might get away with it. And it could go very, very badly. Your soul always suffers when you sin. It doesn't have to be this way though. We're gonna wrap up here with this last verse. It doesn't have to be this way. Because James actually gives us a way out of this trap, this cycle of, of thought and speech and behavior that we, we can't quite seem to be free of. James actually gives us a couple of things that we can put into practice that will help us to win the battle temptation. So look at what he says a little bit later in his letter, James chapter number four, verse seven. He says this, so submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Two things there that James says you and I need to work on. And I'll just admit, I need to work on these things. Number one, 
submit to God. This is the place that you have to start. Now, I'll just tell you, most Christians get this backwards. Most Christians immediately jump to resist the devil. It's spiritual warfare. I got to fight these temptations. But again, that, that misses the point. That says that the issues are on the outside. They're external temptations. But James has already told us, no, no, no. The deep problem that you have to deal with is on the inside. And so the way that you're going to deal with it is to submit to God. You cannot resist the devil until you have submitted to God. You are going to fail the second task if you don't get the first task right. So we submit to God. And you say, what does it mean to submit to God? I think it involves a couple of different things, but I'll say it starts with a confession. It starts by acknowledging that I'm in over my head, that I want to say no, but I don't have the strength. God, you know I want to do the right thing. I want to say no, but I keep saying yes. I've been trying to do it in my own strength and power for too long. And so I've got to have some help from you or I am not going to make it out of this thing. I am not going to be able to say no. So God, I'm depending on you. I'm submitting all of me to all of you because I believe you can help. You can rescue me from this. And I want you to remember what we said last week. And if you weren't here to hear this last week, go back and listen to that message because it's so good to remind ourselves that when we are imperfect, when we fail at overcoming temptation, Jesus is perfect. He did not give in at any time. He always did what was right when I keep doing what is wrong. And so the good news about our loving heavenly father is that he doesn't deal with me based on my track record. He deals with me based on Jesus' track record. And so I submit myself to God and I say, God, I'm gonna do my best and I know I'm gonna fail. You know I'm gonna fail and I'm gonna trust that your grace is sufficient even in my weakness. I think you can probably be a little more practical with your submission to God. Um, One of the things that you can do, like I mentioned, is get into community. That's a way of submitting to God. I think you should serve in some capacity. I'd love to invite you to serve on our dream team here at Connect because serving helps you to keep everything in the proper focus. It takes you out of the center of the story and it puts God in the center of the story. And we need that if we're gonna be able to overcome temptation. But I think you need to focus as well on your personal relationship with Jesus. Like it might sound very, very naive and, you know, old school and trite to say you need to pray and read your Bible. But I'm telling you guys, if you want to win the battle of temptation, it's going to start when you do simple things like that. You might even pray a prayer that looks or sounds a little something like this. You might get up tomorrow morning and you say, God, I'm submitting all of me to you. So God, I'm submitting my mind to you this morning. I'm not gonna think about things that are unhelpful, things that are sinful. I'm not gonna let my mind wander to dark places. I'm gonna submit my brain to you to the best of my ability. God, I'm gonna submit my eyes to you today. I'm not going to look at things that are gonna be harmful to my soul. I'm not gonna let my eyes linger for a longer look as I'm walking past her office. God, I am going to look at things that are righteous and true and good and helpful in shaping me to become the man that you want me to be. God, I'm submitting my ears to you. I'm not gonna listen to gossip. I'm not gonna listen to negativity. I'm not gonna listen to a voice that would say anything contrary to what you tell me is true about myself or my situation. God, I'm submitting my nose to you. I don't know what that really means, okay? I don't know what you're gonna smell that's gonna be sinful tomorrow, but like, uh, just all of me. God, I'm submitting my mouth to you. 
So I'm not going to talk trash about people, and I'm not going to complain about people. I'm submitting my hands to you, God. I'm going to use them to build your kingdom instead of tearing people down. I'm submitting my feet to you, God. I'm not going to her house again this week. I'm not going to go do that thing anymore. God, I am submitting all of me to you. You say, dude, that, you can't be serious. I am, because I know there's a hook. I want to avoid the hook. If you want to avoid the hook, yeah, you got to get serious about submitting yourself to God. Then you will be qualified to resist the devil. Whatever that means, you guys, I understand some of you are skeptical and you're like, resist the devil, is this guy? Come on. Whatever that means, I will tell you, once you submit yourself to God, the result will be the ability to resist the devil, to say no to temptation, to fight back in the areas that really, really matter. And one thing that you can do, and I'll close with this, is just like, I think part of resisting the devil means calling out his lies, like calling out the untruths that the voice of temptation will tell you. The, 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 the voice that says, hey, you know what? If you just said yes, you'd finally be satisfied. You'd feel so good. You say, no, 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 no. That, I know that's not true because it's gonna cost me my obedience to God. I know this is a legitimate need, but I'm, I, you're offering me the chance to meet it in an illegitimate way and I'm not going to do that. I'm not giving in. Why? Because my family is too important to risk. I won't be that guy. Because my relationship with God is too rich to compromise. Why would I give up on the Father who never gives up on me? My future is too good in Jesus to sacrifice by taking shortcuts. So you know what? You say, not today, devil. I say to myself, not today, Daniel. We're not giving in. We're not doing these things. I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm gonna be who Jesus calls me to be. I am gonna be a conqueror. I am gonna triumph. When everybody else is falling to the same temptations, I know the way out is submitting myself to God. 